Buenos dias, buenas tardes, buenas noches, depending when you're listening to the show. Uh, I'm tuning in from Antigua, Guatemala for episode 53 of the Circle of Podcast. We actually recorded back when I was in Cartagena, and this is a brutally honest conversation about masculinity, what it means to be a man. And for the young men that are listening to the show, I highly recommend you pay very close attention to the importance of finding mentors and associations in your life that you can cling on to that are moving in the direction that you want to take your life. It's super important. And we touch on that. We also talk about how to be prepared to be in a committed relationship and how marriage is a high stakes, dangerous game. And one of the quotes that came up that was really powerful was um, men that are excited for marriage are men that are walking towards the slaughter. And that may be hyperbole in many respects, but it points in the direction of let's be thoughtful. Let's make sure we're prepared. Let's make sure we're qualified. Let's make sure we find um, a woman that we really think is special or someone that we really want to spend our entire lives with. And we talk about some of the biggest mistakes that men make when they seek relationships. And, and specifically, I hope you take this to heart. There's a two-part question to ask yourself in order to fully understand whether or not you're with the right person, whether or not you are prepared to be in a relationship. And we revealed that in this show. Uh, it was very useful for me and I hope it's helpful for you as well. And lastly, we also talked about marriage because um, the gentleman that I interviewed is uh, was a divorced man. Um, but who is remarried and he talks about some of the uh, red flags to look out for, to know if you are in the right relationship, if you are prepared, like I talked about earlier, to be in a relationship in the first place. And then if you are married, how to show up powerfully, how to keep your balls, how to be masculine in your relationship, because that's what she wants. And so um, a lot of what we talked about is controversial. A lot about what we talked about may be uh, conflicting for you in some of your belief systems, but I want to ask you to use this as an opportunity to learn about yourself and to take one kernel from this podcast and apply it to your life. Uh, I am very excited to put this out in the world because, like I said, it's very transparent. It's a brutally honest conversation. It's by a man that um, I respect and admire the host of the Men of Honor podcast, the host of Conversations with Men, a community on Facebook where men can come together and be brutally honest, and that is my friend, MJ Durkin. Experience, what I'm most interested in, in discussing today on the Circle Up podcast is how to become the man you've always wanted to be, right? What are what are the relationships that matter? And it seems like listening to your show, Men of Honor, it's the relationship with ourselves, it's the relationship with men, and it's the relationship with women. And so those are the types of conversations I'd like to be able to get into today. I mean, one of the things I like most about your show is you're just very blunt and very direct and you don't, you don't uh, feed around <laughs> the bush. Yeah, you cut out the fat. And uh, I think the kind of the best place to start off would be if you don't mind sharing a little bit about maybe 60 seconds, 120 seconds, your background in the space of men and masculinity. You run a show called Men of Honor. Like, where did that come from? Why is this conversation so important to you? Because I know why it matters to me and the men that have decided to tune in and those that decided to tune in have an idea of what they're looking to get. But for you, where did this all come from? 
Well, uh, uh, really two, two places. Um, uh, I, uh, I had been married uh, for uh, 17 years to my college sweetheart. Uh, and um, we'd been together for 20 years. And she um, uh, had been unhappy for quite a while in the marriage. We had two small boys. Um, and, uh, you know, one fateful night, uh, you know, after the kids were in bed, uh, these conversations happen in the middle of the night. You know, uh, my wife said to me, um, uh, I, I don't feel like you love me anymore. Um, and I don't see the marriage continuing. And um, we have to tell the boys that we're splitting up. And uh, that um, my sons were nine and four at the time. And uh, I just could not believe that my world was being rocked uh, the way it was. It wasn't sudden. I knew we had been in trouble and we had been in therapy and we had tried many things. So the, the, the devastation of my marriage um, brought me into uh, looking for men to help me to, um, uh, to, to realign myself, to find uh, my balls again. Uh, you know, I, uh, what happened over 20 years of marriage is every year, um, another millimeter of my balls was, was, uh, <laughs> was, was, uh, scooped away, was shaved oh, off until 20 years later. I was, I was a ballless Tomcat who sat on the television set and, uh, uh, was not, uh, you know, not effective at anything. Um, and so I started to, I found, I, I, I had this, this inner, uh, I'll just tell you, it was, it, was this, it was God's spirit or my inner being or my soul saying to me, you need to get around some men. You've given up all your men. You, you need to pour into the, in order to find your manhood, you've got to help other men with their manhood. So that's how I started rebuilding my life. Now, a year a couple of years into that journey, I tried to help my brother who went through a similar divorce at the same time. My brother had five children and he was, he was devastated by one-itis and he believed in the soulmate and he believed that his wife that he met when he was in his very early, I think he was 20, she was 18. So very that, similar to you, college sweetheart style. Uh, kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. More like met her at a bar, introduced her to me the first night, you know, passed out. You know, this is, this is Christine. The woman of my you know. dreams, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the woman of my dreams. She was uh, unconscious. And um, uh, so they had a very, very rocky marriage. Um, and as a result of my brother not uh, being able to handle and rebuild his life, my brother committed suicide as a result of, uh, not being able to recover from his divorce. So he was 47 years old and he hung himself. Um, and he largely, my belief is, is that he uh, did that because um, he could never reconcile the fact that his wife was, would not love him again. And I was with him the night that, uh, uh, I tried to talk him out of it and did everything I could, but it was an inevitable thing. And, um, and so my commitment now uh, to the men, this is why I do the podcast. This is why I run men's circles. This is why I do coaching um, because, um, because quite frankly, 
marriages falling apart and families falling apart is taking a much greater toll on our society than we could ever imagine. It's very, very personal for me. And I definitely want to get into some of the reasons why you think that's the case, um, why it happened to you, and then you know, how we can apply some of the, the lessons you learned more broadly. But I just wanted to take a second and say, rest in peace to your brother. I'm really sorry for your loss and for your family's loss. You know, I have a lot of the reasons why I feel committed to this show and for, for young men, I know you mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I'm a millennial. Well, most of my friends are in and around the same age and the conversations that we're having today are not common in our circles. And so I'm trying to you know, bring that world to them and, uh, and say, you know, this is what's happening in the world. You know, 75% of men, 75% uh, of suicides are men globally. Um, and there's something going on, and if we don't do something about it, then we're just going to live into this predictable future. So I just want to—I wanted to you know, take a second and say I'm sorry for your brother. Um, and before we really dive into kind of the crooks of, of marriage, because there really is two camps of people listening to the show: there's people that aren't married, there's people that are married. Um, you mentioned a quote on one of the podcasts that I listened to, and you said, uh, "Marriage is a very, very dangerous game." A man that is eager for marriage is a man that is walking to the slaughter. And uh, I thought that to be very profound. And I want to tee up a conversation about marriage with that. But prior, one of the, the challenges that I, and criticisms that I continuously face in these conversations about men's circles and helping men step into the men they've always wanted to be, which to me sounds very noble, um, you know, from the outside world, sometimes it could be seen as uh, misogynistic or that we're we're not um, doing right by women. And I was intrigued on your show to notice that you talk a lot about honoring women and talk a lot about respecting women. Um, and even though you've had these challenges in your marriages, uh, in your marriage, and you saw your brother go through them, something similar, and I'm sure you see men in general struggle with their relationships, it still comes back to honoring women, respecting women. And so I'm wondering before we jump into some of the challenges that you see in marriage, um, and how we can show up more powerfully in marriage or how we can show up more powerfully in relationships with women in general. Mm. How do you see, um, you know, how do you, how do you talk about uh, the way you look at uh, women and, and your relationships with women? So for, first of all, one, one of the big misconceptions in our society is that uh, it's, it's really one of the, the lies is that if you're for men, somehow you're automatically against women. Uh, that's total, total BS. Um, uh, being, being for, I mean, men are in such trouble, you know, committing suicide at the rate of five times the rate of women. Um, men, uh, most men, most of the men that are in the people that are in prison are men, men that die from high profile, dangerous jobs in construction and, uh, are, are men, uh, men have the most, problem with homelessness and mental illness. Um, uh, you know, men, men are in, in huge trouble with addictions. Um, the, the, uh, uh, the overdoses with uh, fentanyl and heroin. Uh, I, I mean, men are not, uh, men are not doing well. <laughs> and what they, they really don't need is they don't need a, a whole segment of society telling them that they're toxic, they shouldn't be competitive. Uh, that they are abusive, um, and uh, but just because you're for men doesn't mean that you're against women. One one of the biggest problems that men have today 
is saying is what they're doing is they're trying to assume the victimhood role of other uh, uh, segments of society. Men were not oppressed. We we held the knife that neutered us. Uh, we 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 no one took your masculinity away. Stop being a pussy. Nobody, and then I'll get in trouble for saying pussy because that's against women. See, but but uh, but but don't be a wimp, be a wuss, and say and victim status because women took your masculinity away. They didn't. You gave your masculinity away. You let it happen. You let feminism seep into your body, and you did it all because you wanted sex. What's the word I'm looking for? This is not like uh, some kind of revisionist history. I was a married man when feminism was seeping into the men. I was getting divorced when feminism uh, um, was at its peak. Um, I, I, I'm a, what has happened over the last 45 years? Um, so, but that doesn't mean I'm against women. Uh, look, my mother was a woman. Uh, my wife is a woman. My beautiful sister is a woman. My nieces are gorgeous, protectable, wonderful young ladies. Um, you know, my grandmother was loving. I, I have nothing against women. What, would it, what good would it do for us to be, you know, like these men going their own way, the MGTOWs? You know, they're foolish. <laughs> they're foolish. It, men and women are better together. There's no reason to be against women. There's no reason for women to be against men. If they want to be, that's okay. I'm not even going to fight that battle. My, I fight, here's the battle I fight. Become a better man, and you'll attract great women in your life. I have great women all around me, great women all around me, and that's because I strive to be a great man. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think it just reminds me of the law of attraction in general is you can only have what you attract. So if I want to attract creative people in my life, then me being on the pursuit of creativity will reveal them to me. But I, I, I think this is already one of the most honest conversations we've ever had on this podcast. So thanks for, thanks for showing up. Uh, <laughs> thanks for showing up with no bullshit, man. Um, I, you know, I just, I think that's the, the beautiful place to start because we are really better together. There's this interdependence where uh, when I go out and pursue becoming more resilient and more successful and uh, a better lover, then I'm able to give those gifts away to people. And then when people show up in my life who are more empathetic and who are more passionate and, and who are more patient, then it you know, gives that to me. And it doesn't matter if they're a man or a woman, but when, um, when I become a better version of myself and people around me are focused on growth and contribution, then it improves my life. So I think a uh, great, great place to start off. And so you mentioned the battlefield that you're on. I like the, I like the way you, you spoke of that. The battlefield you're on is in the pursuit of being a better version of yourself. Why, why is that important? Because I found personal development when I was about 17, 18 years old, the first ever influence I had in that space really was Jim Rohn. And he was a powerful mentor for me on personal development, which is essentially, in his words, you can have more than you've got if you become more than you are. 
Mm. So before even jumping into why marriages don't work or what men who are looking for relationships with women should be doing, let's start with ourselves. Why is that battlefield of being a better version of ourselves important to you? Well, um, look, um, men, uh, what, what we want to do as men is we want to, we, uh, here's what I believe about men. Men at their core are driven by one particular, um, let's call it a, you know, I'll, I'll call it deep inside of a man's soul. He knows that deep down what he wants to do is he wants to master things in his life. He wants to master. Mastery is very, very important to men. Um, women have a whole different thing that drives them. It's completely, it's completely the opposite. But what drives men is our need and our want and our, um, I, I, and when I say drives, I mean drives. I mean, it drives us to want to master everything that we do. That is at the, if you want to understand how men really tick, if you want to understand how men tick, understand that everything about a man should revolve around him mastering everything in his life. And when he masters things in his life, what he does is he starts to, and you mentioned the law of attraction. So what he starts to do is as he masters things, he starts to attract the benefits of mastery. So he now starts to develop a good life. So he develops financial success. He develops marriage success. He has reproductive sex, as, excuse me, success, <laughs> and also reproductive sex. Um, he, he has, uh, uh, when, he, when he succeeds in his career or his business or, his, or even a hobby, right? I mean, a man can't even take a, throwing a piece of paper away into a garbage can without turning it into a contest I'm going to beat you. I'm going to, I mean, how many times have you gone? You, have you oh, shot the, the, shot the thing to the, to the garbage and gone, you know, Andrews, he's back. He shoots. <laughs> ah, he scores. Right. We love yeah. that shit. We yeah. love winning, but, but more than winning, more than competition, we love to master things. So when you're mastering things, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're stepping into your destiny as a man, and then you're feeling good about yourself. And now when you feel good about yourself and you feel the respect and admiration of your wife, your children, your pastor, your rabbi, your, your spiritual guru, your, your community, when you, when you feel your, your family, your parents, when your parents give you respect and admiration, it's a, it's a wonderful gift. You know, when I was a young man, I was, I was in the throes of alcoholism and, and my parents didn't respect me. And my, my father had a conversation with my brother one time. And he said, if you're looking for a role model, don't look to your older brother, uh, Michael to MJ, don't look to MJ to be your role model. Cause Michael's bad. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to emulate your brother. I felt my brother came to me and told me that my father said that. Okay, 
We're like, oh, screw the old man. He said, oh, don't, uh, you know, because you know, we were both smoking dope and we were both cr going crazy. And I went off and, and took off in my 67 Mustang and hid out in the woods for three days because I was so disappointed that my own father had no admiration, had no respect for the way I was living my life. So men, men throw the, the way that we get, that we know that we're on the right track and that we're worthy is that people show us respect and admiration. That's very important to men. And the way that we get it is we master something. And when we master things, behold, we manifest a great freaking life. So yeah. we've got money, we've got fun, we're having headboard banging sex with our beloved. Holy smokes, we're like the stud of the universe, you know? And we walk tall, we help people, we make a contribution. I mean, you know, what's better than, there's nothing better than being a man who's fully in his power, who's re respecting women, protecting the culture, making stuff happen. I mean, men should be able to have it all. You should be able to have it all. And I tell the men, this is, this is not like, you know, uh, you know, I mean, you should be ripped, you should be shredded, you should be powerful, you should have a boatload of money, you should have a great retirement, you should have freedom, travel, you know, you should be, you should be, what did I write? Uh, you should be strong, you should be smart, you should be rich. Sounds like a beautiful life to me, man. I think so. One of, one of the things you mentioned on the 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 One Itis podcast was about men trying to find completion in a relationship with a woman, versus mm. seeing that the only person that can complete them is themselves. Mm. So this reminds me just of this conversation we're having around mastery, which is if that's our destiny is to master, then kind of the mastery process is is part and parcel with completing ourselves. Would you would you agree, or how would you describe that completion with ourselves? Yeah, what's better than feeling, you know, feeling like you gave, you, you left it all out in the field and you gave everything you had, right? I said on a podcast recently and I, I said at a recovery meeting the other night, I said, you know, when, when I die at 98, because I've set a die date, my die date is 98. So I have 38 more years to get some shit done and I got to get going, right? Uh, so, so I, I, I want to be laughing my ass off at death. I want to be like, when I'm staring death down, I want to be like, <laughs> I'm not afraid of you, mofo. I'm not afraid of you because I did everything I could do. I fought every fight. I did everything I could do to be better. No, I probably failed 80, uh, you know, out of 100 times. I probably, I, maybe I could have failed 80%. I don't give a shit. If you try, a man knows when he gives his best. And if you lay your head down on the, on the bed every night, every night, and you, you say, whew, I, I gave it all, man. I left it all out in the field. Even if you lose, you feel okay. The, the life of regret is when you know that you're being a lazy, lousy loiterer and you're, avoiding shit you're uh, uh you know you're <laughs> hiding deflecting you're hiding you're sneaking around you're you know you're uh hey, you, know, you know <laughs> you know you're 
you're hiding with your computer and your phone in the bathroom jerking off. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that, that's not a successful man. As a matter of fact, a, a man who's masturbating is failing. He's failing. He's supposed to be getting great headboard banging sex and making a contribution to somebody and touching a real live woman and making a contribution to her, not spanking it in the bathroom and then not being able to talk about what he's looking at or what he's seeing, right? I say to men, men, especially married men, need to be able to stand up at the Thanksgiving table and tell everybody everything they do in their secret life. <laughs> so, so, hey, I just, just wanted my mother-in-law and my father-in-law to know, you know that you know, I look at this porn site and I do this and I go to this massage parlor. I love your, I love your daughter. I love your daughter, but you know, I, I do all this wacky, I call it the secret lives of men. Right. Right. See, that doesn't make a man feel like he's powerful and like he's a stud. Right. That doesn't make him feel strong. Men want, look, uh, Jonathan, uh, if, if men, let me ask you a question. I give you a, choice you can do stuff that makes you strong or you can do stuff that makes you weak what do you pick as a man one strong things that make me strong i want to pick stuff that makes me strong right i had a, i had a man saying to me he was we were at a, we were at a, 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 a fire circle around a fire pit at my property Missed those. And, he, and he talked about and he talked about it's a great place that you know help men pull pull arrows out of men you know, as being around a, a circle of fire in the middle of the night. And, uh, and he was doing some sexual behavior that he was not proud of. And, uh, and he's a grown man and he wasn't married. He was single. Right. And, you know, I mean, you know, he was, he was running around with hookers and massage parlors. And I looked at him and I said, I said, I don't judge you. I don't care what you do. I said, that's, that's fine with me. I said, let me ask you this. Does that weaken you or does it strengthen you? And he looked at me and he was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and how I dare said, you hold the mirror up to me. <laughs> how dare you hold the mirror up to me? I said, I, you, you know, you be the man you want to be, but, but like, okay. So, you know, you were able to afford a $5,000 hooker in Vegas and, you know, and that was amazing. Uh, did, did that really, did that, did that improve your life? Did that strengthen who you wanted to be? Like, was that good for you? Like a, a man of two teenage daughters? Like, you know, we, we, you know, the teenage daughters don't know about that, right? I, I'm not going to tell them. Yeah. Right? And he shouldn't. And he shouldn't tell them. But, but that's what he's doing in his secret life. Is that, does, I said to him, does that strengthen you? He goes, no, it doesn't. So men like to be strong. We like to win. We like to we, look, we don't, we don't even need to win. What we want to do is we want to know we gave our best. Yeah, we want to and be if you gave your best, you can look dead. Yeah. Beyond the court. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond the court, beyond the field. And, and like going after it, man, like, you know what? Like falling into bed at night, every night going, whoo, damn, I'm spent. that was, that, I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. Do we and I'm going to get up tomorrow and do it again. It just, it, it seems to me like, 
it seems to me like we're talking about um, kind of our destiny being mastery. And what we really want to do is we want to put a, a solid effort forward. And we want to we want to die knowing we gave it all we could. And then simultaneously, we have this massive challenge with addiction and procrastination and laziness and and men not being able to get off the couch. And so, where did that where does that disconnect come from? Why is it so challenging for us to, to live into our potential and to take steps towards who we want to be, who we know we want to be, and we just don't do it? You know, I, I, I'm not a sociologist. You know, I'm, I'm, not a, a, uh, <laughs> I'm not even a clinical psychologist like Jordan Peterson, nor do I play one on TV. So, um, uh, I, 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 you know, sometimes the question of, of why I, I said on the, on the men of honor podcast the other day, I said, you know, sometimes, sometimes I, I listen to these podcasts and the conversations are interesting, but the, all they do is masturbate these subjects. Um, and nothing, nothing gets done, you know? So the question of why, um, why it happens, I, I'm not sure. Is it because of lack of role models? Is it because the, because our sons, the, the fathers are already so, um, they're in such a fog. They're, they're, they're so, you know, they're so blue pilled, yeah. you know, that they disconnected that they, from their masculinity. They're disconnected from themselves. So that gets passed on to the sons. Is it because the whole society, you know, has put men down and said that has literally contrived have con that the society has contrived a social construct called toxic masculinity, which is, which is total bullshit. Um, I say there is no such thing as toxic masculinity. I heard Jordan Peterson go, he goes, so does that mean there's toxic femininity? He said, because it seems to me that's what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. So that I haven't heard anything about toxic femininity. He said, so I don't think there really is a toxic masculinity. That is that toxic masculinity was invented to take away the power of men. And if you buy the label, if you buy into the label, then you say, well, I can't be competitive. I can't try hard. Um, uh, apparently, if I'm competitive, I'm angry, I'm toxic, I'm abusing people, I'm oppressing people. I mean, I'm, I'll be 60 years old in June, and I could tell you, I've been around thousands of men, and never ever have I been involved in a conversation where men have conspired to keep women down. <laughs> I've never been in a secret society of, of men that have conspired to uh, keep, you know, attack women, attack femininity, uh, have women be paid less. Um, I, I never have. All, yeah, all I've, the, go ahead. I just say that'd be surprising for a lot of people to hear, especially because um, these circles that we run with would have the potential you'd think for those conversations to come up. But every time that they come up around women, it's like, okay, well, how do we make their lives better? Because if their lives are better, my life is better. It just, so some people would be surprised to hear that that's never gone on. But for me, it just seems obvious that we would want what's best for everybody. It's fascinating um, that you said that, you know, uh, I did a uh, I did a webinar for a bunch of businessmen in Canada, and um, we called it uh, we called it protect, uh, provide and pursue. 
the th mastering the three P's, protector, provider, and pursuer. And, and my three P's are totally different than some other men's, uh, you know, uh, men's um, teachers that teach, protect, provide, and pursue. pursue. They don't teach pursue. And, um, and one of the men on the end of the end of the hour, he raised his hand. He said, I was very concerned um, that this was going to be a women bashing, you know, hour and a half. And he said, and, I, and I'm really glad that it wasn't. I'm, I'm really pleased with the technology that you delivered in the last hour and a half. And I said, I said, you know, the, the, the problem is, is that you have been so conditioned to think that if men are going to get together, that it's dangerous, that it's going to be uh, against uh, women and that it's going to be subversive and that it's going to be full of, uh, um, you know, um, uh, you know, attacks, uh, slurs on women. Women are just sexual objects. I said, I said to him, go and listen to 185 episodes of the men of honor. Okay. And I do every single one of those episodes off the cuff, no notes. Okay. I, I do those rants. I pray. I turn the microphone on. I take a topic. I put a couple things on my board and I go for 30 to 40 to, to 60 minutes. You've heard me, Jonathan. That's super right? impressive. Holy shit, man. That's uh, by the way, that's mastery, everybody. Right. That's mastery. And with a lot of help from the Holy spirit. Okay. And, and, um, and so, and I said, out of, out of almost 200 episodes, I said, listen to 200 episodes and come back and tell me if you find one slur against women. Because you won't find it. Because that doesn't help a man to attack women and say that women are the problem. Uh, I got divorced because I was a shitty husband. Uh, I got divorced because I didn't know anything about the difference between, differences between men and women. I didn't know my role. I didn't have any idea what to do with the feminist messages that I had been bombarded with since I was five years old. Um, and I had no idea how to be a good lover, uh, a good provider, and to support my wife in a very a strong and masculine way. And uh, all breakups are 50-50. All breakups are 50-50. And, uh, uh, and, and, I, and you'll hear me say there were 150 things I could have been doing better as a husband. And I would have done them if I had known to have done them. But nobody taught me. There's no manual. I mean, you know, uh, there's an old line from a, a movie called Parenthood that Steve Martin was in. And he says, you know, he says, you, ha you have to, you have to spend, you spend more money and take a test to get a dog license. He said, before they give you a license for a dog, <laughs> you have to prove you could take care of a dog, but you don't have to prove anything to have a, get married and have a kid. It takes more, it takes more, you gotta have more knowledge to get a dog or a fishing license than you do to get a marriage license. Well because there's no training, there's no, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. It's the, it is the, it is the one place in our society where we give the least amount of training to become a police officer, to become a police officer. You've got to have at least a hundred hours of formal training and you must pass an exam, right? I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of hours to become a police officer before you can, 
you know, interact with the public, but there's not one ounce of training needed for you to get married and to have a kid. Well said, man. And the, the youth is our future. And so we've got a bunch of uh, parents who are raising <laughs> children, if you parents who are raising children who uh, Alan Watts talks about what most parents do is they just do basically what their parents did to them and just keep passing down through generation and generation. Mm -hmm. And that one thing that really stood out to me on the podcast um, that I listened to of yours was around that Instagram is teaching young people how to become men. <laughs> and you mentioned young men are learning how to become men on the internet. And, uh, and then you, you went on to say how scary you think that is because it's seeping into their brains and their hearts. Um, that Instagram and the internet and TikTok and the school system was teaching men to become men. And so, and, and that relates to teaching people to be in marriages and how to parent. And so I guess where I'm trying to come full circle before moving on is around this desire to grow, this desire to learn, this desire for personal development. Where can we go? To actually get this information. A lot of my friends who are listening to the show are in their mid twenties, early twenties. Um, and you know, they are learning how to become men from those channels of communication from the media. And so where would you advise them? Where do you think, uh, you know, men of honor podcast, obviously, uh, this show, obviously, but w where else can we go? Who actually knows this stuff? Well, what you have to do is you have to, um, the first thing you want to do is you want to, uh, you, you want to find a teacher and you want to look at the teacher's life. And as John Stokes, uh, the famous tracker said, he said he was given advice about um, somebody asked him how to pick a martial arts school. And, uh, and he said, he said, um, if you want to pick a martial arts school for yourself or for your family, he said, you should go and watch the martial arts classes. And he said, but don't watch the sensei. He said, don't watch the sensei. He goes, and Stokes, Stokes is kind of an elfish. He's an Australian guy. And he goes, he goes, don't watch the sensei because he may be coyote. He could be coyote. You never know. He says, watch the students to see how the teacher really is. Because if you see the students have respect for each other, then you know that the teacher has respect for the students. Watch the students of the teacher. If you're going to pick a role model, watch that role model very carefully, every bit of his or her life. Because he may be coyote. And if he's a coyote, you're going to get false teaching. And what you want to understand about your teachers and your mentors. I've always been really good at attracting great mentors. It's, it's like a natural skill that I was born with. And it's really useful. It's uh, you know, and if you don't have it, then you got to learn how to search mentors out. You have to learn how to make sure they're speaking the truth and you have to make sure they're men that you want to emulate. So just because a man has fame, or just because he has celebrity and he's on uh, TikTok or he's on, on some kind of platform and he's yeah. famous doesn't mean you should listen to a damn thing that he says. And you certainly say it again. Banging. So just because he's rich or his wife's banging doesn't mean that he's necessarily the person that you want to emulate okay. the character. Well, listen, if he, if he looks good on a picture, what does that tell you about his life? He looks good in 
in Instagram posts, who gives a fuck? Big deal. You don't know what's going on inside that mansion, right? You don't know. He, he could be the man who takes the, the turkey dinner on Thanksgiving, throws it off the back porch, you know, and everybody's screaming and yelling and they hate that son of a bitch. And he's a, and he is a misogynistic, you know, crazy person. So you, you can't, you can't build, you can't, you, you can't learn about how to be a man by looking at videos on TikTok. That's insane. That is a prescription for the death of an entire world. Yeah. You know, that's not going to raise your kids and letting kids see those images and think that they're important and think that their life, that if I get a fat, my friend got a thousand likes and I only got a hundred. So I'm not worthy. Uh, you know, I don't see how that, it certainly doesn't help any boys become men at all. It doesn't help them become men at all. So, uh, so yes. Yeah, so, so, so what young men need to do is they need to be proactive at seeking out people like a Jim Rohn, mm -hmm. like a, like a Tony Robbins, like their pastor, like their rabbi, uh, uh, like their mullah, you know, whatever religion, you know, that, that they need to, most men can find great role models in their own religions. Um, sometimes you have to look around a little bit. Sometimes you got to shop around a little bit and go to a different church or a different synagogue, but, but you can, you can find it. And um, so, uh, so men need to actively search out uh, podcasts. They need to search out the books. They need to search out the seminars. Most of all, look, uh, okay. Yeah, this is great. Jo Joel Osteen did a podcast. I was listening to the other day on the way up to a client. Uh, Osteen says, He's, uh, he's watching um, uh, a sales meeting, 300 salespeople. Uh, the, the, uh, the guest speaker says, uh, there's 15 top salespeople here. You've just given them awards. You all know who they are, right? And, and, they, and he looks at the 15 and he goes, yep, yep. Everybody goes, yeah, we, we know who the 15 studs and studdesses are in this company, right? And, and the, the speaker says, now, every one of you, that has offered to take these 15 superstars out to lunch, 300 people, raise your hand if you've asked anybody and any of these 15 wow. superstars out to lunch to great pick point. their brain to ask them how they're succeeding. Yeah, and he goes, point. nobody raises their freaking hands. Nobody raises their hands. Mm. We have no mentorship in this country and in the world at all. We have no formal system for mentorship. It is the most dumb acre thing that you could ever do. And by the way, if, if you were to approach an older man that you had admired and you respected, and if you said, could I take you to lunch and pick your brain about, about how to find a good wife? Could I pick your brain about how to make money in business? Could I, could I, spend some time with you and, and, and come up. Could I come over and mow your lawn and let me mow your lawn. And would you, if I mowed your lawn, would you spend a couple hours with me and teach me some shit? Do you I know, do lawn. <laughs> the, the older, yeah, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to come and mow my lawn. All right. Just, just offer to take me to lunch. Um, <laughs> so, so the, the, um, but do, do you understand that? Remember what I said in the beginning, men thrive on admiration and respect. Yeah. 
the men that are 10, 20, 30, 40 years older than you have so much wisdom and they would be honored that you would come to them, send them an email, ask to Zoom with them. Okay, you know, it's COVID. Okay, I uh, ask, could, could I do a Zoom call with you? I want to learn about how to be better in my career. You're the top car salesman in all the 20 dealerships that we, that our company has. You're the top. Could I spend 30 minutes with you on Zoom and ask you some questions? Do you know how many men would be touched and totally. would appreciate totally. uh, and, and, would, and would totally like tell every secret that they had? Mm -hmm. Right? Like this is, this is how I, this is why I own five houses. This is why I'm, I'm retired at 45. This is why my wife is smoking hot. This is why I have a great relationship. This is how you get a great girl. Right? I think that's a beautiful message. I think starting off talking about the reasons why personal development is so important and then finishing it off on a very practical note that if you seek out men who have the lives that you want, who have the character that you strive towards and you rightfully so let them know why you admire them and ask them to share some of their lessons and wisdom in a particular area you're most interested in and they will naturally want to help you out. Maybe some of them are going to be too busy, but find uh, a couple and, uh, and seek them out. And it sounds like you've had a lot of positive experiences with mentors and they've obviously transformed your life. No doubt. Oh, no beautiful doubt. message. I really appreciate it. I think Jim Rohn just, it's a, it's trite at this point, but it's, he said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And without a shadow of a doubt, that's true because my roommate, um, business partner and travel companion, we've been hanging out with each other for the last four years, basically every single day. And uh, anytime I spend a couple months away from my parents and then I go hang out with them, they always say, you're exactly like Ian. And then uh, his, his mom says the same thing about him to me, about me. And he says, you know, you're getting more and more like Jonathan every day you spend time with him. So that happens. And so it seems like a shortcut to the man I've always wanted to be is just go find men that I admire and try to spend more time with them. Yep. And I can do that on their podcasts and I can do that by reading their mm -hmm. books and I mm -hmm. can do that by doing zoom. Like you said, so. Yeah. 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 Your associations will tell me a lot about who you're going to be uh, three to five years from now. I can, I can look at your associations and I can see how powerful you're going to be, how strong you're going to be. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I said this on a, on a podcast the other day, I said, you, you totally have to, um, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm talking to a man who was, who hired me to do some very high level coaching for him. Right. And, um, he says, my life is great. He said, my wife, he goes, my wife is smoking. He goes, I got three beautiful kids. My wife's still a size three been married for like 17 years. She's, you know, he's like, yeah. Oh man, I'm, He's like, I'm living it up. And he's like, I, got, I live in this 4,000 square foot house. And he says, I got a lot of money in the bank. And he goes, I've had a couple blips in my, uh, uh, in my career lately, but no big deal. He says, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And he's checking he's, all the boxes on the yeah, external, he's, he's what good, everybody else would want. He's a good looking man. He's, uh, you know, he's, a, he's an ex-army uh, officer, you know? Uh, and, and he goes, and he says, you know what I don't have in my life? I go, what? He says, I don't have any men. I don't have any good men around me that are going up. I don't have any good men that are like, I don't have anybody pulling me and pushing me to be better than I am. And I want to be better. My life is good, but I want it to be a lot freaking better. 
And that's why I'm talking to you, NJ, because I heard you on the podcast and I'm looking for more. I want more. And, and it's men that want more out of life that will take the risks to seek a mentor or a coach, totally. right? And listen to a podcast and read a book and, um, uh, and ask other men, who, who do you listen to? Who do you respond to? Who, who are you following, right? You know, right? You know, followers, right? Who are you following? Yeah, hang on their coattails. Follow along. Listen, They're on their upward trajectory. Go with them. Hang, hang out with them, man. Hang yeah. out with them. Get there. If you hang out with them, you will be like them, just like you're like Ian and Ian is like you. And this is very apropos given the purpose of this show, which is to create a space where men can come together. And it almost like their reticular activation is, is focused on men that are enthusiastic and men that are excited. So I'm not surprised that this man was listening to your show and said, I want what MJ's got and I want that juice. And so he, you know, he went and grabbed onto your coattails and joined along. That's really what it sounds like your Facebook group conversations with men's about that's what the podcast Men of Honor is about. That's what the community at large about Circlups about. So I appreciate you taking the time here to contribute to that. Um, I want to just, if you don't mind, just uh, getting a little selfish for a second here, especially for myself and then for men that are in my circle as well, where we're young men and we taught, we were taught essentially along the lines, uh, programmed essentially along the lines of that podcast you did, which was Oneitis, which was, you know, we should find a partner basically as soon as possible and begin the process of starting a family as soon as possible. And the more I tend, the more I spend time in the personal development space, the more I actually give myself space and patience and say to myself, I don't need to look for a relationship right now. Maybe if it, maybe if a, a particular woman who really inspires me, I really want to be with, maybe that would change. But right now I'm mostly open-minded to, finding out who I am as a man and taking steps towards develop my character and, and adventuring and traveling. And that's where I'm at. I'm not saying every man should be there, but it seems to be that the programming is find somebody as fast as possible and begin the process of starting a family as fast as possible. And I don't know if that's that helpful advice. It's very helpful advice at all. No, it's horrific advice. It's, it's, it's devastatingly damaging advice and you've, you've learned it. We've all learned it through movies and songs and, um, and dumb acre role models on Instagram. Uh, and, and, uh, and, and um, we've learned that uh, your life is not complete until you find the one and that there is one person who will make your life complete more, more people believe in the idea of a soulmate that there's one person destined for you in the world to complete you. The worst, the worst freaking line ever in the history of movies. Okay. was Tom Cruise saying to Renee Zellweger in, in, in Jerry Maguire, you complete me. Oh, you so romantic. Me. No, no, no one completes you, bro. Yeah. Okay. No one completes you, but though. you've been, but you've been taught. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good romance. Yes, but but uh, but unfortunately, the writer. Uh, if you if you if you research the writer who wrote the movie, the 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 writer was a man who was raised by a single mother, 
who had no father in his life, right? You gotta, you gotta look at where this, this, uh, this information comes from, right? Don't be afraid to open up the kimono and look and see where these messages come from, right? So I often think these famous movies, be nice for you to know what the, the writers actually, what their agendas are, what they believe, what they believe politically, what they believe spiritually. Uh, so the people who write the most famous movies in the world, you should know why they wrote them. Because, because movies are a reflection of culture and they shape culture. And so that was the worst thing ever. So, so uh, okay, so I'm going to give you a, an MJ Durkin, uh, um, a, genius, some, a couple of genius moves here, okay? Please do. All right, here you go. All right. So a young man who is single has two questions he must ask himself in the beginning of his life. The first question he must ask is, where am I going? Okay, now before you, before you date, before you have sex, before you go on a date, before you pitch any woo, before you romance anybody, before you flirt with a freaking girl, you should, you, before you look at a girl, you should say- All right, should, I get it. <laughs> you should say, where am I going? What is my mission? Where, what is my journey? And you, you, must, you must start to ask yourself and figure out where you're going. What is your, I, I hesitate to use the word purpose, but, but I think, where are you going? What's your destination? Who are you going to become? First question. Question number two. A very important question. If you want to have fun on the adventure that you're getting ready to take, who are you going to take with you? Okay? Now, get ready. Do not miss this. It is huge. It is worth the entire podcast, the entire circle up discussion with Whatever Jonathan Whatever y'all are doing right now, stop doing it and listen. Tune, tune in. Never, ever, ever invert the two fucking questions never invert them never pick the person to go on the journey that you don't know you're even going to go on yet because if you don't know the journey that you're going on you are going to pick the wrong person who is not going to compliment you to get you to your goals. And when I say compliment, I mean, support you, not a compliment, like a, you know, saying a nice thing, they will not compliment you to be successful. And so you figure out number one, where you're going, number two, who you're taking with you, never mix the two up. Because if you glom onto a person, and then 20 years later, you find out you're a different person. You, have a, you had a different goal and you're with the wrong person. Now you lose 20 freaking years and you lose all your shit. You'll lose 80% of your money, your home, your respect. You may be alienated from your children. A lot of, a lot of men get married because they want to have children. They want to have a family. They were in a great family when they grew up. They want to have a family. Men get married because they want to have a family. 
If you're going to do that, you better pick the right woman. And that means, get ready for this, that means that you must become a really good man in order to attract a great woman. Makes sense. Get your shit together first. Makes sense. Become successful. Get some admiration and respect in yourself. Find your own worthiness. Make some money. Master a craft. And then when you've actually got something to offer a woman, rather than your dick and, a, and an Xbox controller, you need to have more than a dick and an Xbox controller and a bag of, and a bag of weed. And a bag of weed. To, Yo, it's that good shit, though. It's that good right? shit. Yeah, yeah. But, that, but, it, but it ain't going to help you, and it ain't going to strengthen you. See? Mm -hmm. It's not going to strengthen you. So get it out of your system. Get, get all that shit behind you. Become a good man. You'll attract, it takes a good man to attract a great woman. And it, when you attract a great woman, you, um, now you, you can succeed to unbelievable levels. And I don't mean just succeed making money in your career. I mean, you can succeed. You can have respect, admiration, headboard banging sex with your wife, with a, with a wife who seduces you, who thinks you're amazing. You, you, know, you know the problem we have in, in marriage, right? The, the, the problem that married men have in marriage is that they're trapped in sexless marriages. And they're not having sex. So you look at that Instagram picture with that guy with the, as you said, the banging wife. And he ain't banging her. And she ain't banging him. <laughs> that's not, it looks really good in an Instagram yeah. post. But that's not happening in 80% of marriages. Damn. If you don't fix that, if you don't fix that, you're living in a life of hell. I've seen men come up to the microphone at a, at a men's retreat. I've seen them looking like caged animals. I've heard them. I, they've talked to me. They're like, dude, I've been married for 20 years, 30 years. I don't want to cheat. I don't, but I'm dying. I've got to have some sex. I'm crazy. Yeah. I'm nuts. I had one man say to me, he says, he says, I'm, I'm, I'm a 39 year old man. I'm following young women around in the mall. He's like, I'm so freaking horny. I'm so yeah. like, he's like, I feel like a horrible stalker pervert. He said, but, <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm getting nothing at home. Yeah. So uh, you, you can't, you, you never ever think that, ne never confuse those two questions. Get your act together first. Take a few years. And by the way, Jonathan, you, you and I should do a whole course. We should do a whole course on how to, to how to properly date, how to make a contribution to a woman, how to make her better off than when she met you. you, you we got to teach young men how to properly break up with a woman in an honorable way, right? You, you, yep. you want to give them a tactic, a tip right now? On breaking up with them? Yeah, yeah. It's very, <laughs> it's very important to break up with a woman the proper way. No, I, I agree. Maybe if you're open, we could do a joint book or something of that nature. Um, yeah, yeah. But in terms Listen, of- Listen, every, every time yeah, you break breaking. up with a woman, every time you break up with a woman, you must take her out to dinner. Yeah. You must look her in the eyes, buy her some chicken parm. 
tell her Look all her, the reasons why she made your life better and what you learned from her and what you learned about yourself? Well, you know, I mean, you won't get very far with that because you'll end up with the chicken <laughs> parm in your lap. But, you know, <laughs> but at least say, at least say, it's been great. You were wonderful. And uh, it's time for us to have a parting of the ways. I learned that from my, my first boss. I used to watch him fire people. He'd say, well, seems like we're going to, we've come to the place in our relationship where we're supposed to have a parting of the ways. Mm. You break up with a woman and look in her eyes. And if she cries or she gets angry or she throws the chicken parm at you, okay, or whatever she does, you must learn how to take it because you must learn how to not be afraid of women. The reason that you learn how to date is you must learn how to overcome your fear of women. And most men are scared of women. And in marriage, if they're scared of the woman, they're going to be pushed around. Mm. And if they're pushed around, their wife is not going to respect them. And a woman cannot love a man she cannot respect. So learn how to break up with women. And you should break up with about 20 different women before you get married. Mm. Yeah, so, for, for, so risk, for the, risk, risk 20 different chicken parmesans being thrown in your lap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hopefully, the pot of, hopefully the pot of coffee at that point is cold. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I would say in terms of like pointing in the, the direction of like the, the, the dating 20 and breaking up with 20 is more of just a pointing in the direction of be open mind to exploring dating women before you feel the need to uh, choose a partner for the rest of your life. And I wanted to bring up my first relationship that I was ever in was uh, six years long. And it was the first girl that I ever dated when I was 17 years old. And looking back, the biggest lesson that I learned from that was that I changed so much in six years that when I got to the point where I was like, this actually doesn't work for me anymore. I don't actually want to be here anymore. Um, and then, and then lastly, being afraid to end it yes. for, a for a variety of reasons, really. Uh, mostly because I was scared of what was on the other side and this side right. was, it was, it was basically like being fed in the cage versus having to go out and starve in the wild was right. the way that I think of it now. But um, yeah, that messaging of hearing that it was, it was okay to be in a relationship and for it to not work out and then to be able to honorably end it, that would have been a great lesson for me. And then uh, additionally for the men that are listening to this show, I think that that question of, where am I going? I had no idea. Like I, like I hardly, I know more than I did, but I hardly know where I'm going right no now. And so, you know, giving myself the space and the time and the patience to know that not only will it be better for me, but it will be better for the women that I date and it'll be better for the woman that I end up being with because I'll, I'll actually have something to contribute. Like you said, I think yes. that's excellent advice. Yeah. Yeah. You date, you date to learn about women. You date to, learn about yourself. You date to learn how to break up and not be afraid of women. You uh, date also to, um, to have many um, sexual experiences so that when, when you're 39 years old, you are not uh, chasing young women in the mall so that you Fair feel enough. like, you, you, you know, you feel like you've, you know, you've, you've experienced some, there's nothing worse than being a married man who's only been with, one or two women and then saying, oh, I, but if I had that, I'd be happy. And if I had that, I'd be happy. And if I had that, I'd be happy. And you have three kids and a mortgage and a job you can't quit. And you're saying, I'm not getting any sex at home. 
but I want everything else that I see everywhere else. That is hell. That is being in hell. And so you want to avoid that. One of the ways to avoid it is have your fun and get it out of your system so that you don't think, so that you never think, well, if I had that, my life would be so much better mm -hmm. if I had a woman who looked like that. Go out and have a bunch of those women and make a contribution to them and make them feel really good and make them feel really beautiful and, and loved. My mentor, Carl Palmieri, <laughs> he said he had a, a code. One, one, of, one of his codes about dating was when he went on a date, he said, I was committed that that woman would have the best time of her life on that date. And Palmieri was old school. Peaceful mission. He would show up with a big, he would show up on a first date with a big thing of flowers. Nice. And he, I mean, he romanced that even if he never saw him again. Yeah. He would, he would, he'd say, I would try to make that, that date be the best night she ever had in her life. I was committed that she would have a great time, even if she never wanted to see me again, or I didn't want to see her again. He said, I was committed to making a contribution. I love that. Yeah, I that's think, a great. That's a great place to come from. On this, on this kind of last note on um, dating before marriage, right? You mentioned marriage being a very uh, dangerous game, and I want to just high stakes, high stakes, dangerous game. I don't, don't want to finish on that, but just okay. um, one last idea because I think for single men, you gave excellent advice. That two-part question, unbelievable advice. So I really appreciate that we were able to to get that because I'm going to take that myself. And um, the other one is about kind of this notion that I can grow with the woman, right? Or I can grow with my partner. I can grow in this dating process because if I was, I can think of a handful of men in my life right now where if I said to them, are you qualified to be in this relationship that you're in right now? They would say to me, no. And then they would continue to date this person. So they basically got the, the two mixed up, which is, Right. You know, they chose the person before they were ready to be in the relationship in the first place. What would you say to those men who are in that position where they've, they've entered into relationships before they had this information, which is you should probably be ready before you go into it. Um, right. And they just, they can't, for whatever reason, maybe they're, maybe they're scared. Maybe they think this is the best I'll ever get. Maybe they think, um, you know, they've got something really special and they probably do. But if, they, if they're mixing up the questions, then they might be in for a, a like you said, a dangerous high stakes challenge in the future. Yeah. So, um, so everything about relationship is about frame, right? Mm. So, so the, uh, the, those men that you're describing typically uh, probably don't have a frame. They, they don't have frame in the relationship. Uh, and the person who has frame is the one who uh, needs the other person the least. Okay, so the fact that they can't walk away tells me that their girlfriend has the frame. So they are fucked. And they will have a very bad ending. If they continue, they are screwed. If they won't leave, if they can't leave right now at the drop of a hat, <laughs> If they can't walk away and be okay, then their girlfriend has the frame. Now, 
what's going to happen over the next 20 years to their ball sack? A millimeter. <laughs> oh, good. Good. You got the, you got the scooping motion. Really yeah. good. It's like, it's like, a, like, like melon. It's like the me little melon uh. thing that you do melon balls. With, right. So, so one millimeter a year is going to come off of their ball sack. And then they're going to, after they've, they've, after they've given the woman's kids, a home, retirement, all that stuff, then she's going to say, but I don't respect you and I don't love you. So you're just delaying the inevitable. So a man who can't walk away from a, a, uh, a, 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 a short-term recreational relationship, which has now turned into a long-term committed relationship, which never should have gone that far, he probably should have had the chicken parmesan dinner speech two or three years ago yeah right when the milk went sour but he's afraid like wow she's so hot like she's the best i'll ever find right palmieri taught me he says there there were there are always 12 more amazing women for you mm -hmm. there is no one soulmate there are 12 more of better than what you think you have right now. He, he told me, he, he, he was 20 years older than me. He said to me, he said, I love my Susie. He, he was divorced, remarried, rebuilt his life to a woman 10 years younger than him, beautiful redhead, redheaded gal. I mean, beautiful, right? Nice job, Palmieri. And Palmieri was no Brad Pitt, believe me. Palmieri, Palmieri looked like the green grocer who would sell you, you know, yeah, he's working on his character. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Palmieri, so Palmieri said, I love my Susie. I love her to death. He said, but there's 12 more Susies out there for me. That's a man that has the frame. He has the frame. If she leaves or she dies or she, she uh, steps out on me, I'll be fine because I got the frame. So any man that can't walk away from a relationship that, somebody says he's not qualified to be in it, it's it's probably probably one of my biggest disappointments in my work with men over the last 21 years is watching men that clearly were with women where the woman had the frame and the woman was even dangerous that the man would continue to stay in the relationship even when all of his men said she is a crazy psycho bitch and you better get out i've seen them marry them and have children with them. I've seen them chained to benches in police stations. I've seen, I've seen their women, I've seen their women lie to the police that they were assaulted. Uh, my own brother, my own brother, his ex-wife used to tell the police he has guns, he has guns in the house. The minute they heard he had guns in the house, which by the way, my brother never had a gun in his house ever. But when she told the judge or the police that he had guns in his house, he was immediately put in handcuffs and sent to the state troopers barracks. My brother was arrested 29 times. No convictions. <laughs> if that's what you want your life to be, if that's what you want your life to be, oh, that'll never happen to me. If you don't have the frame, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, can we, can we, can we just wrap, wrap up talking about fear? Why are we, what is it, what is going on, man, that we can't 
get ourselves out of situations like that or or we can see the clear predictable future if we keep going down these paths um, i've heard hundreds of stories of men that have ended up in this position and yet i can't get myself to do something different so what's your question why or how to get out of it or what, what's your question yeah, let's, let's tackle it from this direction because I think the same fear that prevents a man from being able to leave a relationship probably is preventing him from being successful or doing other things in his life. So yeah, it's a good point. Ar yeah. around, this, around this concept of fear, how do, we, how do we as men get beyond it? We've got, to find, we've got to find role models of strength and we've got to find strength from other men and you've got to find strength spiritually. Uh, for a man to ignore his spiritual growth and his connection to his higher power is a huge mistake. And, uh, and a man who has faith, a man who believes in something greater than his own ego, a man who, uh, uh, there's a great line in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It says, all men of courage have faith. All men of courage have faith. If you want to have more courage, then I would recommend a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. I would recommend a spiritual practice. I would awesome. recommend a church, a synagogue, a mosque. I got so many men, they don't go to the religion of their, their parents. Mm -hmm. It's a huge mistake. What do you think? Your parents are idiots? You think your religion is bullshit? It's not bullshit. Most of your religions have been around a lot longer than you have. And they've been there for a reason and they've sustained millions and millions of people through the centuries. I, I say, what, why a man would not go to his church on a Sunday or temple on a Saturday when he has that religion and he was raised in it, it's insane that he would ignore that source of strength. It's a great source of strength. It'll sustain yeah. you. When, it'll sustain you when nothing else will. Okay. Yeah, and, I, and, 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 and there's That's something weird. you need to, you need to understand something about being a man and getting married and having a family and where you're going to go. Okay. It's a really fun adventure, especially if you get the right woman to go with you. Okay. But it also is an adventure full of, of uh, disappointments and pain and being in the valley. Okay. So, so, you know, my, my, my former wife and I, you know, we, we, my wife got pregnant with a little girl at, uh, I was 30 years old and that baby died in the womb at nine months and two weeks. So we were right at the point of bringing that baby home to, to the baby's room in our house and we lost her in the womb. So we had to go into the emergency room. We had to go into the hospital two days later and deliver that baby knowing we would not come home with her. Now, you, you have to understand something. This is the shit that life is going to throw at you, right? Now, if you don't have faith, if you don't have a God in your life. I don't care what God you pray to. You don't have to pray to my God, but you ought to have some kind of God that you pray to, or that you believe in, or that you, you know something about, or that, that gives you some kind of courage because 
because when you go through stuff like that, you, you're not going to come out the other side unscathed unless you've got some source of strength to tap into. Um, you can tap into the source of strength of your men. You should really listen to your men. If you've got 10 men in a circle and all, all of those nine men if those nine men all tell you, you should break up with that girl, she's not good for you, and she holds the frame, that's your source of strength. You should listen to it. Yeah. You should listen. And if you pray to a God, you should listen to what the spirit or what your soul resonates with, mm -hmm. and you should take that direction as direction about where to go and what to do. So... The way that you get rid of fear is you find faith and you find it through your, the, the source of your masculine power. One of the greatest ways to tie into your source of masculine power is to find a, a prayer and meditation and a belief system that works for you, that strengthens you when you have to hold your dead daughter in your arms and give her back to the nurses and say, okay, it's time to go. So you got to understand life ain't all sunshine and unicorns and, and roses. And if you're going to, and if you're going to be brave, you're going to enter into a world where that kind of stuff is going to happen, or it's going to be a bankruptcy, or they're going to take your house or your wife's going to get sick or your wife's not going to be able to have sex for three or four years because of a condition she has, or your wife's going to gain a hundred pounds <laughs> and she ain't going to be a size three anymore. You're going to go, what the heck? <laughs> There's a lot of changes that could be coming down the road in 20 or 30 years. You, you, you better be the man. You, you better be the best man you can be. And the way that you get rid of fear is you find faith. Well said, man. Well said, MJ. Yeah. I'm sorry about your daughter. Yeah, thanks. And my, my brother um, had a similar situation last year in 2020. He brought uh, his fiance into the hospital and they detected an issue. The baby wasn't breathing, so they did an emergency C-section and pulled him out. And by the time they pulled him out, they needed to resuscitate him. Yeah. And then by the time they did the brain scans, they found that he was, uh, he would be a vegetable. He didn't have any activity in his mm -hmm. brain. So right. same, same situation, nine months. And, and uh, I definitely- That was it, how, nine months? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was the regular delivery time. They came in mm -hmm. thinking that they would have a a baby the next day and yep. um i definitely see there being a lot of value in having faith right mm. in, in thinking that things happen for a reason and that yeah we're going to be able to find some kernel of yeah meaning growth meaning yeah, inside of inside yep. of this tragedy yep yep but life is good life is fun it is an adventure and and remember my my daughter prepared me to have my son Corey who came shooting out like a silver bullet and has never stopped shooting out. He's continuing <laughs> to move very, 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 very fast. And, and, and she prepared me, she prepared me for, for my son because he was a real handful, you know? So it, all things, the, the scripture says, all things work together for good. God makes sure that all things work together for good. So everything, everything does work out and I'm a much better and stronger man because of the experiences that I was able to lean into and lean into my pain and lean into my grieving and to pull that arrow out, you know, and to go 
to the therapy and to do the screaming and the yelling and the, and the emoting that had to be done to, to process that grief. You know, that we could spend a whole show on processing grief. Holy smokes. I've got a couple of podcast episodes on, you know, why men don't face their grief and why they need to face their grief. But, but that's a, that's another issue. But, um, but that, but those experiences, if you lean into them and you have faith, they make you stronger. They make you better. There's, there's not much that a man can look at me and tell me that I can't handle, you know, and I, and I can, I can really hold space for a man that's had pretty brutal things happen in his life because I've been there. And that's a very, very, that makes me a very valuable man to be able to assist other men in dealing with their issues. So that experience is not lost. And, you know, and I, and I have a little angel who's always with me all the time, always doing stuff for me, always taking care of me. So, you know, it's a, it's a really good, it's good to, it's good to experience life. It's a fun life. Men, the future is good. The future is good. Lean into the future. Don't be a dumb acre. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Thanks for that, man. It's a very inspiring way to look at the world and, and frame and let, lens to, to see the world through that. Everything happens for a reason and couldn't have happened any other way up to right this moment right now. Right. That's right. So, uh, yep. I think and the most beautiful. important part of that was don't be a dumb acre. Don't be a dumb acre, man. Don't, make a, uh, don't be a dumb acre. I just wanted to give you one last, one last opportunity to talk about men of honor because obviously oh. the word honor means something to you or else the show wouldn't be called that. And I just felt like the, what a perfect way to wrap this show up. The reason I know about you is because of uh, conversations with men on Facebook, the men of honor podcast and our mutual friend, Burke Rennie, who has obviously been inspired by the work you do. And so why honor? Yeah. Burke's a super stud, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, I love Burke. Uh, He's, he looks like the evil Frenchman. With his new mustache. Savoir-faire, his savoir-faire yeah. mustache, yes. But of course, but of course I'm Bert Grenier, yes, yes, of course. Um, yeah, Men of Honor, uh, you know, um, yeah. Um, uh, that, that's what a man wants to be. Uh, you know, if you want to face death with a smile, you want to have at least been an honorable man in your life. I mean, you know, look, we fail a million times. We do stupid stuff. We say stupid things. I mean, I'm the king of saying stupid shit to people. I'm always having to say, please forgive me for my anger, my, my ego, my bullshit. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm like the forgiveness man. Um, you know, but, uh, but men of honor, uh, you know what? If there's one thing we can do is we can, we can try our best to be honorable in our actions toward our our families, our society, our, our parents, our in-laws, our community, our faith community. Um, you know, uh, if, if, a man, if a man doesn't have his honor, what does he have? I mean, you could screw up in a million things. You could fail at business. You could be poor. You could be, you know, you could be a horrible person. You know, I mean, you could, you could really have a bad life, but if, if you've tried your best to maintain your honor, if, if I could count on your word, if I, if you did what you said you were going to do, you know, if you did what you said you were going to do, then you're a man of honor and you might fail a million times, but if you did it honorably, if you did it with, with honesty, if you never gave up your, your morals, 
you know, if you, you know, no matter how scared you were, no matter how much you needed to eat, no matter how much you needed to feed your family. I heard a podcast, uh, a, a man talk the other day. He goes, he goes, Hey, what if you can't eat and you need to feed your family? Would you, would you, would you, would you violate your, your principles? He's like, you know, most men would have a tough time with that is to put food on the table or, you know, or, 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 or don't lie. So what do we have? We have our, our word is our bond. And uh, I, I just did a podcast on this uh, recently. I can't remember the name of it, but I did it all about your word being your bond and, um, and doing what you said you're going to do and being a man that can be counted on. You may fail, but at least show up like a man and give it your all and, and leave it all out in the field. And then you can go to bed at night and you can die peacefully and look everybody in the face while you're dying. If you're lucky enough to have that kind of death and you can all look at everybody and be really present and you can say, I gave it everything I had. That's a good life. And then, then you'll be gone. <laughs> oh man. Well, Hey dude, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, tonight isn't my demise, but I definitely think I'll be able to sleep good knowing that I, Good, my good. Well, yeah, from, I would say podcast, you, so. you did a hell of an interview. So <laughs> you go to bed saying, you know what? I, I really gave my all in that interview. I think you did a great job, man. I'm proud of you. You did great. You, you taught me a lot. I think if I just find more men that have mastered the art of whatever they're working on, plus communication, that's a big one. Then I don't really have to do much at all. I just sit here and look good and you can do all the work. So yeah, thanks, I, I agree. Thanks for doing all the work here, MJ. Appreciate it. Ask, ask good questions. Nice job, man. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks. thanks for inviting me on. It was a privilege and an honor and really great to connect with you. And so, yeah, so the Men of Honor podcast, um, you can get it on any platform uh, that you want. There's 185 episodes in there. Oh. I would listen to one a day for six months. <laughs> I mean, really, it's like a, it's a train, it's, it's a million dollar training program for men. Totally. Uh, you'd be foolish not to listen to one a day for six months. It's power packed. Uh, and uh, it'll teach you everything from, uh, from dating to marriage uh, to success to dealing with your grief. If there's a topic, uh, you know, I, I haven't covered homosexuality and I, you know, I don't know anything about that. But other than that, I can't think of any, anything else that I haven't covered in that podcast. So get to the men of honor. And, you know, more importantly, you know what? If we want to make a dent in what's going on with our men, um, get that podcast to your men, mm. you know, get it, you know, hit that share button as much as I abhor the word share, um, get to that share button and, and get it to other men and say, listen to MJ Durkin talk about being a man. Cause it's about time. Somebody talks straight about being a man and, and I will do it. Yeah, man. You didn't hold anything back on this episode. So yeah, this no, is good, no, man. No bullshit today. I really appreciate that. My audience is going to appreciate it, especially uh, the young guys that watch this show, but um, thank you for doing this. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and for, for showing up as you are in the world. Thanks, Andrews. Uh, this is Durkin, son of Thomas, signing off. Till next time. Later. <laughs>